Welcome to the 1611 Defense Podcast. This is Kyle Kiker, uh, co-host Brother Mitch Knup, and we have a special guest with us today, Pastor Jeff Faggart of the Harvest Baptist Church in Rockwell, North Carolina. Today we're going to be doing a set of two podcasts, uh, part one and part two series, on Baptist and the Antioch and Lina manuscripts. Uh, Brother, Brother Mitch, you want to introduce our guest today? Yes, Brother Jeff's not only my pastor, but probably one of my best friends. We've uh, known each other, I guess, since the late 80s. And I'm a member of Harvest Baptist Church there in Rockwell. But Brother Jeff is founder and president of the Baptist History Preservation Society uh, and travels extensively uh, trying to help churches around the country to recover our Baptist heritage as it's been squelched by so many in the last 150, 200 years. So he's very active in doing that and also in the work of the, the society of uh, putting erecting monuments to famous Baptist preachers and uh, discovering uh, old uh, manuscripts and old uh, books and having them reprinted. And so it's a delight and an honor for me to have my pastor here uh, who I, I deem a, an expert, if there is such a thing, in, the, uh, in Baptist history. And so he and I have done joint conferences in about seven or eight different states on the authority of the King James Bible and on Baptist history. So it's a, it's a delight and a joy to have Brother Jeff with us. Amen. Brother Facker, uh, will you tell us a little more in depth about what you do as a, for your ministry? Sure. Uh, first of all, let me say thank you for the invitation to be on the podcast, and it's a privilege to be here with Brother Mitch. We've been able to travel a lot around the, the country and hold conferences together. I right. think he let me tag along with him the first time that I did one of the one of my conferences. He was doing on the King James Bible, and I taught on Baptist history. So the subject does go hand in hand. And years ago. Uh, while pastoring, I began to read about my Baptist heritage, and I knew very little about it. And what I learned thrilled me. I learned then that there were sites significant to Baptist history here in North Carolina, and I wanted to see them. And so uh, I did get in the car, went down to Sandy Creek, and saw the Sandy Creek Baptist Church there. It's just outside of Siler City, North Carolina, and I was moved by what I saw, so much so that we began to do Baptist history tours. I thought if it moved me to see that historic location so much that perhaps it would affect others the same way, and it did. We did that one in 1998, and right. we've not done one every year since, but most years. We have done a major Baptist history tour someplace in the United States. Okay. I've been able to travel all around this country, locating Baptist sites, studying Baptist history, and also uh, Brother Kyle to uh, Europe as well, and Asia, locating Baptist history sites. We do have the Baptist History Preservation Society, 
which not only sponsors the tours, but we have an archives with many thousands of old Baptist books, manuscripts, anything relating to Baptist history, we collect it and we hope to have a museum uh, one day where all these things can be displayed and people can come from anywhere in the world and learn whatever they'd like about their heritage. We also uh, have placed memorial monuments in different locations around the country, 25 now, that uh, talk about a particular person, maybe a, a Baptist preacher, maybe uh, it will tell about the work which God did in a particular place uh, through a particular person or meeting house. Uh, we have commissioned eight Baptist history paintings, and those paintings are on display, most of them at independent Baptist Bible colleges around the country and right. some in local meeting houses. And so uh, it's good to be here, and uh, it's a little of what we do. Okay. Now, I know some of our audience is, is, would be interested to know some books that they can pick up to learn about both American Baptist history and Baptist history in general. Mm. Uh, what would you say would be your top five or so picks uh, as far as good material to get on Baptist history? Well, there are many books that have been written on Baptist history and they are localized, some specialized, and some general, as you say. Uh, I always encourage people to start with the little booklet, Trail of Blood. It's very concise. That was written by the Texas Baptist, J.M. Carroll, and he chronicles the path of the Baptist from the first century through the time that he lived, and it gives a good overview. Now, of course, you can go more in depth as much as you'd like. A good book on American Baptist history was written by James Beller, and he wrote America in Crimson Red, and it's very good. There's a lot of good information in that. Uh, you can move on from there. John T. Christian wrote um, A History of the Baptist, and it talks about American Baptist, English Baptist, gives a good, uh, a good overview of Baptist history as a whole, but more in depth. Right. And uh, also, uh, you can get... A History of the Baptist by David Benedict. And this is for the benefit of the viewers. If you just want to go out there and search, you can find uh, Benedict's History done in 1813. You can find uh, History of the Baptist by Thomas Armitage and uh, the Baptist Encyclopedia by David Cathcart. Both of those were done in the 1880s. And that's going to give you a lot of information. There's okay. probably a Baptist history book written on your county or your city or a church near where you live. And uh, you can do as much research as you want anytime you want. Okay. All right. So good. Thank you for uh, explaining that. So with this being a podcast devoted to the King James Bible, mm -hmm. um, we're, we have Brother Faggard on here to explain how the Baptists have either held or not held, which you know we'll, we'll find out that they have held, to the Antiochian line of manuscripts as a whole. And so, Brother Faggard, I know you have kind of a an outline here, and Brother Mitch, I know you you'll probably have a lot a lot to add in there too. Um, Brother Faggard, if you'll kick us off and just kind of uh, give us an idea of how the Baptists have handled the Antiochian line and how they have handled the Alexandrian line of manuscripts. And before he gets into that, 
For those of you who are just coming on to the podcast, maybe this is your first one listening to, we did 10 podcasts on the history of Bible versions today. We did five on the history of all your Bibles besides the King James. Uh, even the New King James has, is, has tons of Alexandrian readings in it. Um, and, and Lord willing, we'll do a podcast on the King James, on the New King James, unless the Lord comes back before then, which uh, he very well may. But anyway, um, I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying, Brother Mitch? You was you were talking about what we had done in the past. Of, okay, yeah. yeah. So with that being said, um, with the Alexandrian and Antiochian lines, there's 10 podcasts on those histories that you can go look at. But as a short, before you get into that, Brother Faggart, Brother Mitch, will you explain just a, a brief overview of Alexandria versus Antioch? and what that has to do with what's on the bookshelves in Christian bookstores today. Yes, uh, when you begin to look at your Bible and the law of first mention, which is one of the rules of biblical hermeneutics, which is biblical interpretation, you find the first mention of Antioch in your Bible, and you find the first mention of Alexandria. First mention of Alexandria is in Acts 6, where they are listed, the Alexanders are listed with the Libertines, and, of course, you know what a libertine is. It's a, it's a liberal person uh, carnally. And, uh, and then you find when Antioch is mentioned, it's always connected. It's connected with Bible belief. And that, in other words, one of the first deacons was from Antioch. And so the first law of first mention applies. Uh, throughout the scriptures, it follows the same course. And that you'll find that rule uh, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. But the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Before that, the uh, Christian religion, so to speak, was called the way. After this way or after that way. And then in Acts chapter 11, that way began to be called Christians. And of course, Alexandria is where the ship came from that carried Paul to Rome. And, of course, you've heard Brother Kyle and myself say more than one time, every ship that starts in Alexandria will lead you to Rome. And that's exactly where the professing body of Christ is leading to. I say professing, not the actual body. But the professing body of Christ is leading right straight to Rome under a one-world church with the Antichrist on the throne. Right. And so uh, we Bible believers that believe the, the word of God came from the manuscripts that were derived from Antioch, we're going to be out of here in the rapture while the tribulation is going on with the Alexandrian text. There's never been a revival in any way, shape, or form on this earth in any continent, any country, through that corrupt Alexandrian text that came out of Egypt. And God told his children to come out of Egypt. God took his son out of Egypt. But every reference to Antioch, uh, when you begin to look in your Bible, uh, b biblical missions started in Antioch. And of course, biblical Bible teaching started in Antioch and Bible preaching started in Antioch, uh, according to Acts chapter 13. So that will follow through not only in the Bible, but as Brother Jeff will uh, no doubt allude to, that also follows in history Baptist history and secular history, uh, those rules do not change. Uh, Antioch is God-blessed. Alexandrian is God-cursed. And the, 
Yeah. And every modern so, version so, is yeah. derived. Every modern version is derived from your Alexandrian manuscripts. Yeah. Only the King James Bible in English is derived from the Antiochian text. So. Including the New King James. Including the New King James. Uh, just wanted to throw that out there. All right. So, Brother Faggart, uh, kick us off here, if you will. Well, we're talking about something that is old. Uh, we're talking about the beginning of the church, and we're talking about the giving of the scriptures. And uh, they go hand in hand. It was Joseph Hook, who in 1701, he's a Baptist preacher from England and an historian, who wrote an apology for the Baptist. And he was not saying the Baptists were wrong and I'm sorry. An apology is a defense. And he said that religion that is not as old as Christ and the apostles is too new for me. And we know, you've just heard Brother Mitch talk about the origin of the manuscripts that underlie your King James Bible. They're the Antiochian type manuscripts. And that goes hand in hand with the first place that the disciples were called Christian, according to Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And we know about the Bible. We know what books are in the Bible. And we know what is the right Bible. It's a King James Bible. Uh, it helps us, though, to know that uh, the Baptists are an ancient people. And this is something we don't have time to give all of that uh, today. But even uh, the Protestant and Catholic historians acknowledge that the Baptists were the original Christians. And you'll find that in the books that we referenced earlier, such as A Trail of Blood and Christian's History. In fact, all of those historians that we mentioned believed that the Baptists were an ancient group. And were they always called Baptist? They were not always called Baptist, but beginning in the second century, they have all been called Anabaptist. And the official documents of Roman Catholicism and of the Protestant churches still today call us Anabaptist. And of course, that is not a, a true name for us. Anabaptist means rebaptizers. That's what they accused us of being. We're not. We only administer water to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as yeah. their Savior. Believer's baptism. So regardless of what kind of water was administered to them uh, previously, we're going to baptize someone after they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. So Amen. we know... <clears throat> What, uh, where the church began, Jerusalem. We know uh, what happened in Antioch. The disciples called Christians first there. But when we look further in the scripture, we can identify names of the churches. And you've got uh, a church in Corinth. Of course, there are epistles written to the churches of Galatia, written to the church in Ephesus. And much we learn about the churches and their practice from those epistles, which the Spirit of God moved the Apostle Paul to pen. You get to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and you've got an additional six churches that are listed there, and that's at the end of the first century when the book of Revelation was given. And so you have to leave the Word of God and go to the pages of history then to trace the identity of the true believers beyond the first century. And that's where we find and trace the ancient Baptist. All of them called Anabaptist, all of them holding to the Baptist distinctives. And here's how you identify them. We all believe in the authority of the word of God. We all believe in a regenerated church membership. We all believe in believer's baptism by immersion. 
all of us have believed in the separation of church and state, and we all have believed in soul liberty. Those are your Baptist distinctives. That's the way that you identify the ancient Baptist groups. And I'll mention them here quickly, and we'll refer to some of them individually. But you have groups such as the Montanist, the Novations, the Donatists, the Albigenses, Waldensians. You have the Paulicians, the Arnoldists, the Henrysians, the Petrobrusians. You have the Lollards. All of those ancient Baptist groups identified by those Baptist distinctives. And they all believed in the authority of Scripture. And they all believed in the authority of the Scripture to the exclusion of of man's tradition. Just as the Bible says there in Mark chapter 7, as Jesus is rebuking the religious crowd, and he says, how be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And the Baptist refused to do that. Do we have some traditions? If they're not in violation of scripture, I suppose it's okay to hold some of them. But we do not believe in holding tradition or anything else along alongside the Word of God or above the Word of God. Amen. And all of these ancient Baptists, they refused to do so. Whenever the Pope sent uh, a crusade against, and by the way, crusades are anti-Christian. They were not Christian. All right. uh, they were for the purpose, for the most part, of putting your Baptist ancestors to death. Mm-hmm. And when the Pope sent a crusade to fight against the Waldensians there in the Alps in France and Italy, on one occasion, they sent their envoy, uh, the, the papal legate, to talk with the Waldensian leaders, and he gave them an ultimatum. Uh, you have to submit to the Pope's teaching or else. And they said, we will submit ourselves to the word of God, the scriptures. And that's the only thing to which we will submit ourselves. And they had to fight for what they believed. Yeah, right. And this, in some ways, is the podcast is... Uh, It's a warfare in and of itself, standing for the truth, getting the truth out there as much as we can about the word of God and about the people of God who who held to it. And so identifying those Baptists as being ancient and identifying this book that we hold as being ancient yet new because the preservation of God keeps it that way in this King James Bible, it's very important because the two do go hand in hand right. and you've already mentioned it. disciples called Christians first at Antioch and that's where the the correct line of scriptures come from it's called the Antiochian from the city uh, the Syrian from the country or the Byzantine type text from the empire uh-huh. and you can find Baptists all over that place and you can find the Baptists the ones who were distributing the word of God And I know you've talked about it, and I'll just mention it because it is pertinent. You have a Western Empire and you have an Eastern Empire. You've got the Roman Empire, and that's the place where the old Latin Bibles uh, held sway. And you get into the Eastern Empire, the Byzantine. Uh, That's the place where the old Syriac uh, Bibles held sway. In fact, it was Thomas Armitage. We've already mentioned him. Armitage says in his history of the Baptist that... Those Baptists, such as the Paulicians in the Eastern Empire, believed that their version of the Bible, the Syriac, was more authoritative than the original manuscripts. 
and that's telling. I believe the same thing. Uh, I believe this King James Bible is more authoritative than any original yeah. manuscript. Yeah. Uh, show me an original manuscript. Uh, and on top of that, using Scripture as our sole authority in all matters of faith and practice, every time a translation is mentioned in Scripture, the translation is better than the original. Yeah. Yes, yes, and it's always identified as Scripture. Yep. And uh, so it would be wrong for us not to do so with our preserved Word of God, the yeah. King James Bible. And just to give you an idea, we mentioned some of the ancient Baptists, and uh, you can start there with the Montanist. And they lived, were centered in an area called Phrygia. And if you know your Bible and you can look on your maps, uh, the seven churches that you'll find in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 were in Asia Minor. And uh, all of those churches, uh, they had their location in what is present-day Turkey. But it was called Asia Minor. And right in the middle of the seven churches, you, you find the beginning, the birthplace of the Montanist, uh, that ancient Baptist group. And, of course, the most famous of the Montanists was a man by the name of Tertullian, and Tertullian was very well known for his writings and some of the, uh, the statements he set forth. His most popular, perhaps, concerned the martyrs. And he said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. In other words, the more you kill them, the more they multiply. Yeah. And uh, we're thankful for that, that they could not scare uh, the believers into silence. Perhaps one or two here or there, but for the most part. Uh, they believed the word of God and were willing to to preach it, to live it, and to die for it. Yeah. And Tertullian had something to say. And we talk about the originals. And uh, today, when somebody talks about uh, they believe in the originals, well, you might believe they existed, but you don't have them at your disposal today. But Tertullian did in the second century. And here's what he had to say. He said, in the first place, we lay this down for a certain truth, that the evangelic scriptures have for their authors the apostles, to whom the work of publishing the gospel was committed by the Lord himself. In like manner, it will be also certain what has been delivered from the apostles, which is held sacred in the churches of the apostles. Let us then see what milk the Corinthians received from Paul, to what rule the Galatians were reduced, what the Philippians read, what the Thessalonians, the Ephesians, and also the Romans recite, who are near to us, with whom Paul and Peter left the gospel sealed with their blood. Yeah. So Tertullian said, we've seen the originals. And yet in his writings, there's nothing mentioned that contradicts anything that you'll find in our King James Bible. Nothing at all. One who did see and have access to the originals. And so there is you a second century Baptist who is telling what he believed about the word of God. And he is saying, we had them and here's what we believe. And so we can see that in their writings. And I know not everyone is going to take the time to do all the research on these things and go to the sources and learn them. That's part of the reason why this podcast is being done, if I understand correctly, so that you may not have to do the work, but you can if you'd like. Mm -hmm. And we'll tell you what you're going to find. 
you're going to find that all of your Baptist ancestors, if you are Baptist, and all of the ancient Baptists, if you're not Baptist, believe the right line of manuscripts, yeah. whether they were in the Western Empire following those old Latin Bibles or whether they were in the Eastern Empire following the old Syriac Bibles. And so that's a, a brief opening statement, I guess. Yeah, but I'm just thinking here, there's... And maybe some of you watching this or, or listening to this, depending on what avenue you're getting this podcast, there's some people that are King James only that are taking Baptist off their church name. And so that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Brother Faggart on here is is if you, if you truly are King James only, why are you taking Baptist off your church name? Yes. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm not trying to make any enemies here, but that's... That's super important just from a just from a personal experience. There was a time I, I went off to college when I was uh, nine, 19 years old, and the church that I was lined up to go to, um, it was in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and the pastor had died. And I show up and couldn't even find the church building. And come to find out that the pastor had died. So I'm, I'm, I'm at a school with, with nowhere to go to church. And it took a long time before I could find a church that stood on the King James Bible. But I knew that if I looked for a Baptist church, I had a good chance of finding it. Because if you go to trying to find a, a King James only church with a community church or, yeah. or the rock or whatever it is, um, you pretty much know what you're going to get. And it's not going to be truth. Yeah, yes. Very discouraging, very disconcerting, considering the fact that how our Baptist ancestors suffered to give us the freedom that we have, and then you don't even have enough guts or courage to put uh, Baptist on your church sign. And it does make a difference what you believe. And, and the sign yeah. uh, does give an indication. If you have uh, one of the generic names, such as Brother Kiker just mentioned, on your church sign, all you're given is a name. Your mm -hmm. people have no idea. And yet for centuries, when the name Baptist has been on a, a church sign, folks know when they see it. They have a yeah. pretty good idea uh, that these people believe those distinctives that we just talked about uh, a few minutes ago. They have a good idea what kind of doctrine is going to be taught and practiced in that place. The same thing for the other denominations. You see the church sign, you have a, a clue, uh, right. I guess, of what you can expect before you ever go there. And so names are important and labels are important. And you've all heard it said before, if you don't believe labels are important, shop at a grocery store that have no labels on any of the products and see how you fare. Yeah. Uh, it's just not gonna go, um, go very well. And uh, reasoning, logic, mm -hmm. common sense, uh, brings you to the conclusion that names do mean something and names also carry an association uh, you you know that uh, Baptist should be associated with certain beliefs, and Baptist the Baptist name also carries a bit of division. Uh, you know does. that we have separated from certain people and separate things, not because we are better than them, but because our doctrine is different yeah, than theirs, right. and doctrine is very 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 important. Yeah, and. Here we go. Like I was talking uh, before, I, I work a secular job, so you know, if making by mad, it ain't gonna be indifference to me. But the thing about it is, when Baptist comes off of a church title and, and you go something church, you've identified yourself with non King James only. 
ecumenical uh, CCM, Contemporary Christian Music, little standards, and it doesn't matter if you have them in your church. The people that ride by are going to be thinking that. Yes, sir. And that's yeah, just, come as you are, leave as you is. came. That's the that's the philosophy. Yeah, with, with almost no doctrine preached from the pulpit, and if it is, it's you're not sure it's going to be right. Anyway, all right. So the Montanist. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, an early Baptist group, second century Baptist group, there near the the seven churches uh, in Revelation two and three, and so it gives you an idea of what was being practiced in that place. And those seven churches, you can still visit them. If you go to Turkey today, they'll gladly give you a tour at your expense of the sites where those seven churches were, and you'll see ruins. And that's the reason why it's important for Baptists, and this is what Baptists have always done, here's part of our practice, that we continue to plant churches. Because there are those, sadly, who will go away from the truth. There are those who will succumb to uh, to scholarship or suggestion that they move away from the Baptist name and they move away from a King James Bible. And that's why uh, we continue to plant churches. By the way, we have the right to plant churches. Yes. Yep. And uh, the, uh, the other denominations, they can't just go out and plant right. independent churches on their own. They've got to get permission from headquarters. Yep. And praise the Lord, our headquarters is in heaven. And we've Amen. been commanded to go and to preach and to teach. And so Baptists are church planters. And one of the reasons why we've been commanded to, because there's a necessity for new churches and there's some of the old churches that will move away from the truth. And what happens when somebody uh, moves away from what they believed and they move away from the Bible that the founders of the church used, well, shut it down. I mean, it's not good for anything if it's moved away from the Bible. It's not doing what uh, what the Lord, who is the head of the church, said to do. You might as well just leave that place and write Ichabod over the door because it's not going to be anything but a social institution yes, majoring in social causes. Yes. And that's what happens. And that crowd, if not all the time, most of the time puts unity over truth, yes. which is, which is a, a very... Now, Obviously, not everybody's going to agree on every single point, but when you have something like the authority of the Word of God, um, you you have to divide. You, you can't yes. you can't you can be unified over certain things, but you, it's hard to go to church with somebody when you preach out of Acts eight thirty seven and the congregation doesn't have it in their Bibles. Yes, sir. And they don't have a clue why it's been removed. And they don't. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, that's you've already touched on this but here second corinthians chapter 2 verse 17 for we are not as many which corrupt the word of god but as of sincerity but as of god in the sight of god speak we in christ Mm -hmm. so in the first century christianity is not very old there are already people who are corrupting the word of god Mm -hmm. and uh, the apostle paul is being moved by the spirit of god to confront uh, that well, the corruptors, yes. and to identify them. And that's what must be done. And again, uh, that he has a, a secular job. We don't. So I mean, we found a way to eat. We really have. Yeah. So truth is what's most important. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what we're doing here. We really are not angry at people 
but we are angry about what's happening. Yes. Uh, we don't like it, and the Lord doesn't like it. No. And uh, Brother Mitch said it. He doesn't put his blessing on these modern Bible versions, no. uh, nor does he put his blessing upon churches so-called that have departed from the truth. And uh, there are some churches so-called that have never embraced the truth. And here's where you get the division starting in the history of Christianity. Uh, Antioch, same place where the disciples were called Christians first. Uh, the same place where the manuscripts and underlie your King James Bible have their origin yeah. is, as you've already heard, the first place where missionary journeys began, where the Apostle Paul, yeah. Paul and Barnabas, they go out from, from Antioch of Syria, and they're going to make their way into Galatia. And uh, it's interesting because you see some progress, not only in the gospel, but you see progress in civilization. And they're in Galatia. And some people think there's only one book in the Bible written to Galatians. There are actually three. Mm -hmm. And you've got the book to the Galatians. Then you've got two books to a Galatian, Timothy. That's where he's from. And those books talk about doctrine, doctrine. Doctrine, yes. doctrine, that's what's important. That's what's always sacrificed whenever uh, people lay aside the word of God. Doctrine is sacrificed. Every teaching, every major precept taught in the word of God is attacked in modern Bible versions. Now, what you have as the word of God is taken away from Antioch and churches are planted and the modern work of missions begins, you can see the spread not only, as we mentioned, the gospel, but of civilization. Yes. You get into Galatians, and what does the word Galatia mean? It means white. And you can see the spread of Japheth, and he's always going to go north and west. And what you have there with uh, the work in Galatia, you have the spread of the gospel. And Galatia today, uh, you can see that it was the starting place. It's a place where the people uh, went from there into Europe and they founded countries such as France, Germany, and England. And all of those were the countries where the Gauls, Galatia, yeah. uh, where they had their beginnings. And you see the missionary work of the Apostle Paul spread from Galatia into what we call Europe today. And uh, you can follow the word of God there as well. And people who love the word of God, and you'll find that uh, the, many of the ancient Baptist churches can be traced to those countries all over England and Wales. In fact, you get there at the end of the book of Romans, and you'll find that, that two men, uh, Claudia and Pudens, uh, they're the ones who were converts of the Apostle Paul, and you can find this in the history of the Welsh Baptist by Joshua Davis, 1835. And you can see that those men were natives of Wales, and they went back to Wales carrying that gospel and the gospel commission and the Baptist distinctives to that country. And there's still many ancient Baptist churches in that country 
formed as a result of those witnesses. What did they take with them? Did they say when they went, oh, let's change the Bible that that we were saved through and what the apostle used, for they also knew the originals. They saw them. And uh, let's get something else. No, it's not what they did. They took the right line of manuscripts with them yeah. there into what is today uh, a country in Great Britain. And uh, God used that. Uh, on the other side, uh, now those would be people who went into what's known as the Western Empire. Then you have the Eastern Empire. You get to the 7th century and you have a group of people called the Paulicians. And there was a young man who had the gospel given unto him. His name was Constantine. Now, this is not to be, he's not to be confused right. with the heretic Constantine, right. who is supposedly the, uh, the head of Roman Catholicism. And by the way, we never say Roman Catholic Church. It's not a church. Never has been a church. Never will be a church. No. It's just Roman Catholicism. And so and you don't even have to consider whether they were a part of Christianity. They were not. I'm sorry. They just were not because no. their doctrine the doctrine is not the same that we find in the Word of God. You're not going to find purgatory it's taught in the Word of God. You're not going to find the sale of indulgence that's taught in the Word of God. You're not going to find mariolatry practiced in the Word of God or sanctioned by the Word of God. And on and on and on and on and on you can go. And it's just not taught there. Look, but, which is why they try to push the apocryphal books. Yeah. Yes, and uh, they do. Yeah. And, and again, it's like we read in Mark chapter 7. It's tradition, tradition. For that's what Rome is known for. They have three authorities. They have the authority of the Pope, the authority of what they call their church, and the authority of their tradition. And if one doesn't fit the bill, they'll just choose from another. Right. And they'll believe anything and everything that they want. The Baptists were not that way. Only the Word of God. Now, have Baptists always remained true to the Word of God? Sadly, no. Have Baptists always obeyed the Word of God? That's not what we're trying to say. We're saying that there is a group of people, and you can trace them along with the main line of manuscripts uh, that's the right line of manuscripts, and God will use that. And there, these uh, Paulicians, uh, they... Uh, Constantine, he got the word of God. Somebody put uh, the epistles of the apostle Paul in his hands and he read, he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they closely followed the epistles of Paul, uh, they became known as Paulicians. And usually the names given to these ancient Baptists were given to them by their enemies. Yeah. Just like it says in Acts eleven twenty six, the disciples were called Christians. Not what they called themselves. They were called Christians by their enemies. And it stuck. And I'm glad to be a Christian. Yeah. And I'm yeah. thankful to be a Baptist. I'm thankful yeah. to be a Bible believer. The Paulicians, uh, Constantine, he began to distribute those old Syriac Bibles. That's what he got saved with. Yeah. Old Syriac Bible and in the right line of manuscripts. Yes. And, of course, uh, he got saved. He began to tell others how to get saved. Others believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, the that church began to grow. It was started by Constantine, and uh, it began to multiply and to multiply and multiply until there are millions of those Paulicians there in the Eastern Empire, and uh, God is using them. In fact, Western Empire, Eastern Empire, you notice a lot of similarities. Uh, they're in uh, the Eastern Empire, the Paulicians. Uh, they're under control of, of Catholicism 
and it's before the split, you know, the split between Western or Roman Catholicism and Eastern or Greek Orthodox. It's known by both things. It took place officially in 1054. There, were, there was a rift between them mm-hmm. before that. And so in that Eastern Empire, the Paulicians there is distributing the Word of God, hand-copying them. No printing press. Yeah. They're hand-copying the Word of God. And you say, oh, there's where the mistakes come in when men copy it. No, we choose to look at the preservation of God's Word. Yeah. God is responsible for that, not man. Right. And he's done that. And he's done his job mm-hmm. perfectly. Exactly. No mistakes. No mistakes. No mistakes in this King James Bible. Right. And uh, there. <laughs> And we've already mentioned the fact that those who use those old Syriac and old Latin Bibles believe they were more authoritative than the original manuscripts, more authoritative than any Greek Bible. And that's easy. Why? Because there were no Greek Bibles. Right. There were no Greek Bibles. What were they going to use? People think that there was always a Greek Bible. Now, we're not talking about a corrupt Septuagint. (laughs) You can throw that out out the window. Uh, because uh, that doesn't even count. And anybody who has studied anything at all understands that. Podcasts 11 and 12. There you go. (laughs) And I knew you had covered it. Uh, But um, anyway, uh, no Greek Bibles. You wouldn't have a a Greek New Testament until uh, the days of Erasmus. And he started putting together a Greek New Testament. So they weren't carrying Greek Bibles. They weren't carrying the original language Bible of the New Testament around with them. Why, in the Western Empire, they're carrying their old Latin Bibles. And in the Eastern Empire, those old Syriac Bibles. And when they start uh, distributing those Bibles, people get saved and then they get angry. You ever been angry because somebody lied to you and deceived you? When they realized that they had been told they should worship icons and images and uh, that they should pray to saints, and uh, that they could go through Mary. Now, they didn't venerate her like the Western branch did, but they still believed that they could go to her to get to God. Whenever they realized they'd been deceived, you know what they did? They went into those uh, Orthodox meeting houses, and uh, they trashed the icons and the statues. Why? Because God's word forbids them, and they want to be true to God's word. Same thing, you get over uh, to uh, Peter de Bruy, and he is the head of the Petrobrusians. They're named after him, again, named by their enemies. But he was so frustrated that he had been deceived about all of that nonsense that he went with the scriptures. And he was so confident that he didn't have to worship images any longer that he took the crucifixes and he burnt them, put them, piled, broke them, piled them together, burned them, and that's what he used to cook his food over. Uh, because he knew that that was foolishness and it was not scriptural. Amen. And Arnold, uh, the Arnoldist, uh, he's there in Rome in in the 12th century and uh, he gets saved and uh, he preaches the gospel and those lost Catholics believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and so many of them get saved that the Pope had to flee Rome. He was afraid for his life. These people now know that we've lied to them. I've got to get out of here. And uh, they trashed the images and the icons, and uh, uh, Rome probably would like to have uh, some of those uh, in uh, the Vatican Library, just to say, here's what we used to do. But we know that's what they used to do, because uh, the Baptists trashed them. 
And uh, am I advocating going into Roman Catholic buildings or Greek Orthodox buildings or prof, uh, Protestant meeting houses today and doing that same thing? No. I'm just telling you what happened in history. Yes, and I'm telling you why it happened. Can't because change history. Because the people were deceived. And uh, when their eyes were opened, then uh, they wanted to be done with that. And they were. And, of course, the only way they could get Arnold out and his followers out of Rome, the Pope called for a crusade. And they marched a crusade back in there, and uh, they ran them out, arrested Arnold. Year 1155, uh, they crucified him. They burned his body and threw the ashes in the Tiber River. That was the charity for he got for preaching the gospel and seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people go from e eternal death to eternal life. Amen. And so you've got the same things that are happening in the Western Empire and the Eastern Empire. Why? Because the word of God, the entrance of thy words giveth light. Right. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 130. Yep. And it's always been that way. You look in uh, the Byzantine Empire uh, during, uh, the, and that started around uh, 500 uh, AD mm -hmm. when... Uh, you look at that empire and the rest of the world, uh, historians will talk about a period of time for about a thousand years known as the Dark Ages. Yeah. And of course, that's too harsh now. They want to call it the Middle Ages. Middle Ages. Well, it was dark because people didn't have the Word of God. Right. But one place, the historians now will generally agree that there was one place during that time that had some light. It was in the Byzantine Empire. Yeah. Imagine that. The Paulicians were the source of that light. They were distributing the word of God. It's the word of God that gives light. Amen. And friend, if you're watching this podcast and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you're living in darkness, Amen. the darkness of sin. And the only thing that will bring you light is to believe what this word of God says about salvation and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's always yeah. been that way. So in both lines, Western, Eastern empire, what's making the difference? Is the word of God. Amen. It's right. the word of God. Yeah. Printed literally by hand yep. by the Baptist and distributed all over those empires. Yeah. Bible says that the weapons are our of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yes, sir. And uh, so and I've I've heard Brother Thaggart say this before. We convert uh, we how do you say that? We 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 don't make people convert by a sound beating but by sound doctrine and so that's uh that's but that's interesting to know because they just uh they did they just wanted to stop yes <laughs> so Absolutely. tearing when, stuff up when the sound doctrine goes that's when your churches become entertainment centers yeah and instead of bible preaching bible believing places where people can hear yeah. the word of god and get saved and the icons will be different yes there'll yeah. be people that yeah. they'll yeah. worship entertainers yeah. absolutely yeah all right well cool well uh we're at uh we're gonna close shop for this episode but we'll pick up where we left off lord willing on the second section and uh subscribe to us on youtube 1611 ministries uh and that's where you'll find the 1611 defense podcast if you look up 1611 defense it's spelled d-e-f-e-n C-E, the English spelling, not the American spelling. And, of course, we're on Spotify and other places, too. 
um, as you're watching this from one of those. So anyway, uh, thank you guys. And y'all got anything to add or take away? Thank you. Jesus thank you. is coming back. Get ready for him. Amen. Amen. Romans Romans 10, 9 through 13 is a good place to, to look, see how to get to heaven. Amen. Yeah, all right. he, he's magnified his word above all his name. Bible's pretty important. Amen. Thank you.